Good morning. It is good to be here. It is good to gather with God's people. It is good to be in the presence of God for worship. Just a couple of announcements as we begin. Um, You know, sometimes you can take the boy out of Florida, but you just can't take the Florida out of the boy. Um, I always think we can jump right back into Bible study, look at his split after the holidays are over, but we probably should put it off another few weeks with weather and everything. So we will not have Bible study tonight. Um, and so I will call the people um, that are not here and let them know. Um, also, elders, we will meet tomorrow at 5 in the Fellowship Hall. Um, are there any other announcements? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Bob and Jerry, if we want to... Okay. Well, y'all talk amongst yourselves afterwards and let me know, okay? Because I'll be around too, so. Um, anything else? All right, if not, our call to worship today comes from Psalm 139, verses 13 through 24. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me And lead me in the way everlasting. Let us pray. Our God and Father, as we gather here today in your call, we take comfort in the psalm that we have read a portion of. We take comfort in the fact that you have searched us and that you do know us. That you know our thoughts, that you know our intentions, that you are familiar with all our ways. And Lord, as we gather in your presence, we are reminded that you knit each of us together in our mother's womb, and we are here to worship you. Lord, you are precious to us, and we have answered your call. So show your love, show your presence to us in this place, and let us know that you are pleased with us through the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, just as David prayed to you, we pray to you as well, praying as you taught us, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debts, and lead us not but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Just as David's prayer was to be searched by God, our prayer is to be searched by God as well. So please take Bible songs, the green book there before you, and turn to number 25 in the back. Uh, It's right next to 26 in the back that we're familiar to singing. Uh, Search me, O God, based on Psalm 139. So let us stand and sing Bible song 25 in the back. Amen. Please be seated. When Jesus asked, or when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, part of his prayer involved confession, which we uh, said together ourselves, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And now we have an opportunity to confess our sins together. And so let us uh, read this prayer of confession that we have, paying attention to the words and understanding that God does hear and he does forgive. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. 
We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness that we may choose your will and obey your commands. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Know that even though God does know all of our ways, that he offers forgiveness through his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. It was an introductory letter introducing himself and his desire to travel there and visit with them. Today we will read from that letter to the Romans in chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. And now as we prayerfully consider the tithes and offerings that we will give, um, let us turn our hearts to the Lord.
Our God and Father above, we do thank you for all that you have given. We thank you for how you provide for each and every one of us according to your goodness, according to your will. May we give a portion, and may you be honored by that portion that we have given in our tithes and in our offerings. And may that portion be used for your glory and for your will. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 215, Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts. We were discussing in Sunday school today, uh, Isaiah 35, and the promises of streams of water that bring life to the desert. And one of the points we made is that God gives us those promises of new life in the midst of difficulty um, in order to bring us joy. And so let us affirm that joy that Jesus brings to us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by singing hymn number 215. be seated. We gather around the truth of the scriptures and we have opportunity to profess together those truths. So church, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit 
and born the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, I have some prayer updates for us as we go to the Lord in prayer, as we approach his throne. You have the prayer list there in your bulletin. I I encourage you to keep up with that, to uh, keep it in your Bible or near where you pray. Um, I may not always hit all the prayer requests in the pastoral prayer, but um, this is something that we can carry with us throughout the week and pray for one another. Please continue to pray for Michelle's grandmother, Melba. Um, We prayed last week. She had fallen and broken her wrist. She ended up back in the hospital with uh, non-COVID pneumonia and some other um, uh, difficulties. And so she's on antibiotics. She's being um, cared for now in the hospital, but we just pray that that God would give her comfort right now. She's confused as to where she is. And so we just pray that God would give her comfort in the midst of that and that he would heal her and bring her back to her home soon. Um, We pray for our National Guardsmen and women as they have been deployed um, in preparations for uh, the uh, inauguration and the stuff going on this week. So we pray for them. That does directly affect Wesley and Ethan. Um, and so we lift them up in prayer. Don Farlow, we prayed for him last week. He did have a good surgery on Monday, but then he spiked a fever on Friday. So he is in the hospital with pneumonia as well. Um, Non-COVID so far. So we do praise God for that. Um, Janet Shelton did test positive for the coronavirus for COVID. She is doing well. I, I spoke with her a little bit this week. She's doing well. Charles so far is negative. Um, so keep them in your prayers. Um, are there any other updates, any other things that we need to know about and need to be praying about? Yes, Betty. Great, we praise God for that. Anything else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father above, in the midst of a world that seems chaotic, in the midst of a world uh, that seems to be falling apart, in the midst of our own individual lives that sometimes just seem to either spin out of control or just uh, weigh heavily upon us, we do well to remember your sovereignty over all things. Lord, things are not chaotic. Things are not out of control. You have all of this well in hand. None of this surprises you. And none of this is outside of your providence, your ordination, or outside of your glory. Lord, we forget that sometimes. We forget your sovereignty and we forget your glory. And when we do those things, we uh, do as the author of our hymn said, that we, 
We turn to the things of this world that we think will bring us the best bliss. And yet, after partaking of those things, we find ourselves unfilled and turn to Thee again. And so, Lord, remind us that as life seems to spin chaotically around us, that when we turn to the things of this world to seek to gain control, to seek to gain relief, to seek to gain whatever it is we're hoping for in the midst of that, remind us quickly that those things will leave us unfilled and only wanting more. And then remind us that we are to turn to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, because it is in Him that we can only find comfort in this life and in the next. Well, that faithful Savior has borne our sins. He has allowed us to be covered in His grace with His righteousness. And He has reconciled us to you. And regardless of what happens here on this earth, that is our only hope, is reconciliation with you. Because the things of this earth will pass away. The things of this earth will will turn to nothing. And all we will have left as we stand before you is our relationship with our Savior, our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And so help us to find comfort in that and in that alone. And in finding comfort in that, help us to find joy in the midst of the difficulties of our world. Lord, right now, the difficulties of our world, at least for us in this culture in America, uh, center around a date on Wednesday, Inauguration Day. Lord, help us to understand that regardless of how things have worked out, regardless of who sits in the office of the president, that you have placed that person there and that he is there at your will and that he is there to bring you glory. Now, we understand that sometimes uh, he brings you glory through bringing judgment. We understand that sometimes he brings you glory through uh, working your will and restraining evil as you have called him to do. But we know that he is there at your will. We know that he is there for your glory. And help us as your people who seek to worship you, who seek to honor you. Help us to lift him up in prayer. Help us in our opportunities to interact with him, whether it's through emails or letters or even through interacting with the legislature. Help us to do so in a way that shows our respect for our government officials. Lord, you, through Paul, told the Roman church to to respect the governing officials, to respect Nero, who was pursuing, actively pursuing the destruction of the church. Regardless of what we think about the man or the woman that sits in our president, they are not Nero. And so, Lord, help us to treat them with honor and respect and the dignity due one who has been appointed by you. And this does not mean, Lord, we know that we do not speak truth to them. This does not mean that we do not hold them to account to why you have placed them in a in a in power, but it means we do so with respect and honor. Lord, help other people in this world that claim your name to remember and to act peacefully in days moving forward. 
Lord, we do lift up those who are ailing among us. We think of Mandy and Melba. We think of Don, of Janet, of Natalie, and just the many people that we know who are sick and ailing today. We ask that you bring them healing. We thank you that Mandy's numbers continue to go in the right direction with the treatments that she has given. Lord, we take for granted medical treatments, but we thank you that you have um, designed us in such a way that we can develop means by which to treat uh, today diseases that would have been uh, far more deadly uh, years ago, even just a few short years ago. Lord, we pray for peace and safety for all of our National Guards, men and women. We think specifically of of our brothers in Christ, Wesley and Ethan, and ask that you just protect that situation. We pray for uh, um, our legislature. We pray that you give them wisdom moving forward. We pray for our courts and ask that you would give them wisdom moving forward. We pray for our state and local government and ask for wisdom for them as well. And help us to pray for them more, to lift them up before you. Or do you told Timothy to pray for our governments so that your church might meet in peace, might worship in peace, and might serve in peace. And so, Lord, help us to pray more for our government and for our officials. Lord, and I lift up your church. Lord, we have the persecuted church around the world. I lift them up and ask for safety for them. And yet, in the times when they are arrested, in the times where they are persecuted, we ask for strength for them to witness well to the truth of the gospel. We pray for the church here. We pray that for those of us who believe and teach the truth of your word, that you would give us courage in a changing culture, courage to stand, courage not to compromise, courage to proclaim your truth, even as we apparently are marginalized more and more in our world. Lord, help those of us who seek to live according to your glory to be a light in the darkness of our world and to shine your goodness into this world. Lord, we are preparing to turn toward your word. Your word is truth, and it is the truth that sets us free. So prepare our hearts to hear so that we might know you better and serve you well. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We are in Proverbs chapter 18, picking up again where we left off last week with verse 12. Verse 12 points us back toward uh, the first 11 verses that we looked at, but it also points us forward to the verses that we will read today, which are verses uh, 12 through 21. So please take up your Bibles and follow along. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. A gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. 
The first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. Casting the lots settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, as we consider this passage, I do ask that if we are proud, that you preserve us from downfall and lead us to humility so that we might find the honor of a holy life. Lord, through this passage that we study today, we ask that you change us, that you shine the light of this passage upon the darkness of our hearts in areas where we need to repent and turn to you. And set us upon the path so that we might honor you in how we deal with people around us. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I own one, exactly one, Christmas sweater. But you heard that story last week. Remember the two words on the Christmas sweater. Bah humbug. Yes, my two favorite. No, just kidding. In our introduction last week, we did consider the story of Ebenezer Scrooge as presented to us by Charles Dickens in A Christmas Carol. And if you recall, Scrooge and the the Christmas spirits were not the only characters in the story. There was Marley who warned Scrooge of what was going to happen. There was Scrooge's nephew who encouraged Scrooge to change his way. But the most memorable of supporting characters in the Christmas Carol is probably Bob Cratchit. Scrooge's poor assistant who sat there begging for a coal as he was there in his moth-eaten jacket, his gloves with holes in them, trying to help Scrooge in his accounting business and also not freeze to death. Cratchit reminds us that even though Scrooge's habits would lead to self-destruction if he did not reform, his habits were not practiced in isolation. His wayward ways, his greed, his selfishness were often directed at other poor, unfortunate souls. And as we considered the self-destructive nature of the fool's words, we focused mainly on the fool. But the fool, like Scrooge, does not act in isolation. While his words and his actions will ultimately bring about his own self-destruction, he brings that destruction upon himself while seeking to destroy others. And so the question becomes, how do I respond to the words and attempted destruction of the fool? And Solomon turns to that question today. As he seeks to give guidance to his son and how to respond well to the destructive fool, he shows us the power of words, the power of listening well, and the power of trust. First, the power of words. Verses 20 and 21 talk to us about words. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled, and with a harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's interesting that as we look at these words, they are both verses here are ambiguous. 
We don't know whether the fruit of a man's mouth, whether the the tongue is giving us life or death, or whether when we have to eat our words, whether that will be a delightful meal or taste more like crow. But what these verses do remind us is that whether our words are good or whether our words are the words of folly, that they have power. If we speak life-giving words, those words will bring life. If we speak words that seek the destruction of other people, those words will bring destruction. And so when we are tempted, when the fool brings his destructive ways into our lives, into our paths, we have a choice of how we respond. We can either respond in kind, which will bring us the destruction that the fool offers, because then if we respond in kind, we are then showing that we are more in tune to folly than to wisdom. Or we can respond with words that give life, with words that bring healing. One of the ways that Solomon highlights that the, that the fool will seek to use his words to destroy is in seeking to turn the tide of public opinion against the wise to the fool's favor. Verse 16 talks about a gift given that opens the way to the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. One of the gifts that the fool can give in order to usher himself into the presence of the great or to sway public opinion in his favor are words of flattery. Words of promise that while we know they cannot be kept, still offer gifts and juicy delicacies. We talked a little bit last week as we considered the lips of the fool in verse 8 that gossip is like a choice morsel. If I want to break into that clique that I wanted to get into, I can seek to destroy one of the people who is already in there in order to raise myself to favor. And when I seek to destroy through gossip, when I seek to destroy through false promises, when I seek to destroy, the wise person responds with truth. The wise person responds with grace. And the wise person sometimes responds with the, always responds with humility, but sometimes that humility seems to show a destruction. A destruction of the wise person rather than the fool takes a step aside. I remember one time I was given grace by God to respond in a job to a, a personal attack with silence. If you know me, I don't respond to many things with silence. But I was given the grace that day to respond to a personal attack with silence. And God worked through that over a period of weeks and months to bring about a better relationship between me and the other person, to bring a, a seeking of forgiveness by the other person to my own life and an opportunity for us to grow in grace toward each other. Brothers and sisters, words have power. James focuses on this throughout his letter. Solomon brings it up repeatedly throughout this book about the power of words. And we can respond with either life or death to the fool. But not only do our words have power, 
Our ears have power also. Solomon talks about the power of listening well, and he he does this in two different ways. First, in verse 13 of this chapter, he talks about the person who answers before listening. That is his folly and his shame. Solomon reminds us that the fool in his pride will listen, will not listen to anyone. They may be in danger of being in confrontation against or will not listen to anyone that they are seeking to destroy with their foolish words. Brothers and sisters, have you ever heard secondhand that somebody said something about you? Hey, you won't believe what so-and-so said about you the other day. How do we respond to that? How do we go about responding to that? We are tempted, I am tempted, and I assume you are tempted as well, to double down right there in the moment and respond in anger. But what we should do is we should go to that other person who supposedly said something about us and work it out. Listen to them. What did they actually say? What did they actually mean? When we think an injustice has been done against us, our first response is typically anger. And that may be a valid response to injustice done against us or against others. But anger is one of those emotions that God has given to us to make us act, to make us jump into the fray, much like fear. Fear is given to us to make us act. I'm walking down a trail in the woods and I see a copperhead in front of me. Fear is given to me to make me act, to either walk the other way. Well, there's not much else to do but walk the other way. Anger is one of those emotions that's given to us to act. But the problem is that we are sinners. And when we act, we often act in our own self-interest. And that causes problems. The wise person goes and listens before they act. They seek to make sure that what they are angry about, the offense that has been given, is truly something to be upset about. And then they seek to act in a way that honors and glorifies God. The second area that Solomon highlights in listening is in the realm of conflict mediation. Unfortunately, sometimes when the fool seeks to destroy, we have to bring a mediator into the group. Somebody who can be an objective objective witness to everything and give their direction. As my dad used to say, that uh, uh, there's always his side, her side, and the truth. And the truth is not always somewhere in the middle. And Solomon says that it's wise to listen to both sides before that mediator makes their decision. In verse 17, the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. If you are brought into a situation where you need to help two people work through a difficulty, whether it's a husband and wife, whether it's two friends, whether it's two church members who just can't get along. If you're brought into the situation, you do very well to make sure you hear both sides. Because that first side, man, you know what? They're right. They were sinned against and we need to do something about it. Well, you know what happens when you sit down with the other party? 
Well, my goodness, you're right too. You were sinned against and we need to do something about it. Why is that? It's because party A is going to present their side in the best light. And party B will most likely present their side in the best light as well. And we must do well to listen and to make sure that we find the truth in the midst of this difficulty that we go through. Now, this can be done in conflict. This can be done in offense. This can just be done in sitting down and listening to people who, for some reason, just aren't getting along. Growing a friendship. The old saying goes, we are given two ears and one mouth, and we should listen twice as much as we speak. It takes prayer. It takes the grace of God to be able to do that because we want to be smart. We want to be right. We want to be on top of the situation. But Solomon tells us that there is power in in in. Living life in, under the destruction of the fool, there is power in listening well. So we've heard the power of words. We've heard about the power of listening well. And then Solomon talks about the power of trust. Verse 18 is a reminder of God's sovereignty. Casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. Now this is not a an instruction that when you just don't know what to do or if you don't really want to involve a third party in your mediation that you just flip a coin to see who's right. That's not what's going on here. The casting the lots in the Old Testament was something that was bathed in prayer and bathed in a recognition of God's sovereignty over all things. Chapter 16, verse 22 of Proverbs talks about God's sovereignty over the lots. Actually, it's not 16.22, which is what I wrote down, so that's problematic. But somewhere in chapter 16, somewhere it is written, I'm going to pull the Hebrews, somewhere it is written that the lot is cast into the lap, but it is God who determines the outcome. So casting of lots was something that was bathed in prayer. It is something that was greatly affirmed the sovereignty of God over the decision. The lot was cast in order to divide up the promised land in the time of Joshua. The lot was cast to determine the guilt of Achan in um, the guilt of Achan in the book of Joshua. The lot was cast in the book of Acts to replace Judas. When you had two equally qualified men who would be apostles, And yet only one of them could fill Judas's slot. So the lot was cast after much prayer. Sometimes God is going to bring to our attention really weird solutions, or at least solutions that seem very odd to us when it comes to escaping the um, attacks and the attempted destruction of the fool. As I mentioned earlier, Silence sometimes is the way to answer an attack. And that seems odd to us as humans. But we need to trust that God in his sovereignty is directing us into those particular areas. And so when the fool seeks to destroy us, we respond with trust in God's sovereignty. But trust involves more than just affirming the sovereignty of God. 
Read with me. Verse 14. A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? We all know the man or the woman that seemed to defeat almost undefeatable odds when it came to a disease that they have, whether it's this current outbreak of the coronavirus that we're dealing with or somebody that 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 almost miraculously survived a most of the time fatal cancer. And oftentimes we will look at that person and we'll say, man, their spirit, man, they just they just had the attitude and they kept a positive attitude about themselves. And man, they just drug themselves through that difficulty by their spirit. We may not put it that way, but that's what we mean. And that's true. The spirit that we have within us, this this thing that God has placed within us that oftentimes will will see the way through insurmountable odds will see us through many difficulties. But the second half of the verse reminds us that sometimes the spirit gets crushed. And who can bear up under a crushed spirit? Sometimes the fool will be so consistent in their attack, so persistent in their desire to destroy, that we get absolutely crushed. Sometimes they do it through bullying. Sometimes they do it through shaming. Sometimes they do it through heaping undeserved guilt upon us or just so often seeking our destruction through insult, through gossip, through whatever means that finally we are just crushed and we can't handle it anymore. Who can hold up under a crushed spirit? And this is where the trust of God that was highlighted in verses 10 and 11, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. And this is where that trust is so important. Turn with me to Psalm 13, if you will. It's a psalm of David. We, we don't know the situation in which he wrote this. But listen, as I read Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Can you feel the pain? Can you feel the anguish? Can you feel the crushed spirit that David has there? Four times in two verses, he says, how long? And then look at verse three. Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Where do we turn when our spirits are crushed? 
We turn to God. We look at the different types of psalms. The one that shows up the most in the book of Psalm is the Psalm of Lament. It's the psalm that says, how long? It's the psalm that says, I feel destroyed. It's the psalms that say, darkness is my only friend. It's the psalms of the crushed spirit. And when we answer the question, a man's spirit sustained him in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Well, we can't. But God can. And the reason we trust God is because just like David trusted God enough to cry out, how long, O Lord, I can't bear up under this. Just as Paul says, we despaired unto death, but God. And that's why the resurrection is so important for us, not just at Easter, but every day of our life. It's because the resurrection reminds us that as, as much as the fool, as much as the enemy through the fool seeks to crush and destroy, that God is victorious. Jesus' victory over the devil's attempts to destroy him secured the devil's self-destruction. And it reminds us of the future that awaits us. In the resurrection, we see the beginning of God setting all things right. We see the beginning of God bringing life out of the death and destruction of the desert. In the resurrection, we see the future that awaits us when those who seek our destruction find their own destruction and we are raised to glory. And in the resurrection, we see that God is trustworthy and true. And so that when we find ourselves in a position where our spirits are crushed and we can no longer bear up. We can join with David and say. I trust in your unfailing love. And my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And implicit in that trust and an implicit in that declaration that God has been good to him is a declaration that God will be good to David once again. And he won't have to say how long, but he will say thank you for showing up. And meeting me. Chapter 18. Back to the verse of Proverbs. We talk about. Verse 19. He says an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. And disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Living under the attacks of the fool are not easy. But God has given us tools by which to deal with their attacks and to honor and glorify him. He has given us the power of words. We are called to speak life-giving words into those attempts at destruction. He's given us the power of listening well to make sure that we react in a way that honors and glorifies him, whether that means confronting injustice or whether that means seeking forgiveness. And finally, he's given us the power of trust. When the spirit is crushed and we think we cannot bear, we cry out with David, but I trust you, O Lord, for you are good.
Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for these words. And we thank you for the reminder that sometimes it feels like the fool wins when he seeks to destroy. And yet when we are crushed, we fall back on you. When we can't bear up, we know that you can. And when we despair, we remind ourselves that you have been good to us and that you are trustworthy and true. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please turn with me in your hymn book to hymn number 11. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We join with the angels. We're told in Revelation chapter 5 that John saw the four heavenly beings. He saw the elders of the people of God. And he saw every tongue, every tribe, and every nation gathered around joining the heavenly beings in their song. We have opportunity to do that today. So let us stand and sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, hymn number 11.
Hopefully it brings you joy, considering that one day, in the new heavens and the new earth, we will surround God's throne face to face and sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. But until that day, we walk this road and we take this blessing upon us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we long for that day, when we stand around the throne of God and sing, holy, 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 we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.